All right, all right, all right. We're bringing it back. And it's not really that old of a song either. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Merm, and I am one half of your regular hosts for We're All Mixed Up. Uh, this week, it'll just be me, uh, <clears throat> myself, and I, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how we're doing it this week. No worries, no worries. Um, that was Loi Mata Ole Fia Fia. From a Samoan artist named Annie Grace. Um, that m- song was released back in 2017. Um, it is my show today, so I'm gonna do what I want, basically. <laughs> not to say that I'm not about to um, change things up a bit or anything like that. We're gonna keep the style and theme of kind of what is happening um, this time around. Um, it'll just be me this week, so bear with me as you will only be hearing my voice this week, and I will also only be hearing my voice this week um so oh man happy march um let's still celebrate black history month everybody even though you know it's over but it's never over because if you know what i'm saying um yeah so we're gonna start uh talking uh march is also women history month and i want to celebrate that and for all of my femme identifying um women identifying femme presenting people out there i see you and um i support you so yeah that is uh how i'm gonna start today um as always we have our intros which i i have already done um i'm pulling up today we're doing it a little differently here in the studio as you heard you heard some Samoan music at the beginning we'll probably do some Samoan music at the end just so that y'all can get a little bit of feel of really cheesy music from my island and from my people because all we talk about is love in our songs (laughs) because love is at the heart of everything and um love wins so (laughs) this week um we're gonna be talking about some stuff um this week actually we will be getting a little bit more heavy um we're gonna be talking about some personal experiences of mine um and please know um this is your trigger warning right now um so if at any point just turn it off come back when you need to honestly it don't matter to me um take care of yourself during this podcast all right everybody (laughs) here for you and um yeah so this week um as always we do have our intros um so obviously you got my name is still merm it's merm and merm here today for we're all mixed up i'm still mixed up i promise i'm still mixed up about all of this anyway um the description for this one um the question that i have for myself is what is the last book that i read and i want to recommend this book to all of you because it is so good and i hope that i can get it back after holding it for so long for my children to read um the book uh, i currently have fifth graders so it's a little bit up higher with some more you know talk about genocide and all of that stuff because students should be learning about that um, um probably around that age or in my opinion they should be learning about that around that age um the book that i want to recommend to all of you um is the children of blood and bone i am currently looking up um the author's name um it is a black author um it is written by oh man Tomi Adeyemi um it does take place um from what I've heard it's kind of um a alternate universe um kind of in the same realm um and same like everything as um Africa um deals a lot with black issues um it is a very very like big fantasy book um which is kind of why i I was drawn to it um at the very beginning um 
I brought it honestly for my kids to read because it was Black History Month and I wanted to give them black authors and black illustrators and black stories for them to read. Um, and Children of Blood and Bone was definitely one of um, the top ones that I had brought. Um, oh my goodness. It's honestly, in my humble opinion, as I'm your host today, um, Children of Blood and Bone is a better version of Harry Potter. Um, it does hit on the point of genocide. It does hit on the point of colorism. There is so much in this book. Um, I have only read the first chapter and a few pages of the second chapter, but I can already tell you that I am hooked on this. Um, it deals with magic. It deals with, um, different tribes having different, um, capabilities and like each of them kind of having their give and take of them. Um, for example, some of the tribes have, um, possession or control over water while um, other ones have possession or um, control over disease um, I think it's a very very give and take um, even just from talking about um, those types of things um, and I absolutely love that um, I think it's something that students should definitely be like open to and should definitely be um, you know talked about um my fifth graders have already gone through kind of a simulation of what it's like um, when the natives um, were first um, colonized by white people. Um, and I've had conversations with them about kind of what happened after I learned about um, what the teacher kind of did for them. Um, and they expressed fr frustration. They expressed that this isn't fair, like all of these types of things that um, I honestly could not tell you that I could have done in fifth grade. Um, the only thing I remember from fifth grade is learning about mammoths. So here we are everyone i'm learning more than i did when i was in fifth grade um yeah so um children of blood and bone by um tommy or tomi um Adayemi. um highly recommend um it is an upper level book um but don't stray that away from young adults um i think that middle schoolers and high schoolers should definitely read this book um i from what i saw just um looking it up when i did my research um it does look like it's a series um yeah, so highly, highly recommend. Um, and as always for our intros, um, our other part is a would you rather question. Our would you rather question is would you rather be caught in a hailstorm or would you rather be caught in the middle of a drought? Like, a, or no, I don't think it was a drought. I think I changed it to the hottest and driest day of the year. Um, <laughs> I can tell you that I've only experienced one of those um, from my personal experiences because I don't hang around dry areas, even though I definitely prefer them. Um, I have definitely experienced a hailstorm. Quick story, quick tangent. Um, one day, I didn't know where my parents were like, I don't know when my parents were like, going I get, you know, come and get me and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'll just walk home. There were like gray, black clouds over me. And I was like walking home. I was like, it'll be fine. You know, um, I have a basketball in my hand. I got my like tennis shoes on. <laughs> This sounds a lot. This sounds very sporty and not like me at all. Um, I have just like I'm just like I have my hair up, um, my baby face. Oh, this was probably like seventh or eighth grade um, that I did this, and I was walking home. I didn't know where my parents were, um, and all of a sudden, the as they say, the heavens opened up and let the precipitation rain. Um, hail came down at alarming speeds. I was probably like two or three blocks away from home at this point. So I had to bear through it. Um, I can remember all the cuts and the bruises that I had all over my body afterwards. Um, 
And I can re- distinctly remember putting the basketball right in front of my face because I was like, I'm not about to get like a bloody eye. I'm not about to get scratches all over my face. Like, um, I wasn't about to be like coming to school and everyone's just like, what are you wearing? Like, <laughs> I wasn't about that. I wasn't about drawing attention to myself. Um, I'm on a podcast right now, so this is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> um, so I've definitely experienced a hailstorm before. Um, closest I've ever been to like dry season, I would probably say is when I was in either Arizona or New Mexico. Um, and I absolutely adored it, but I have not experienced like the hot, hot, hot of it. Um, I've definitely not experienced the hot, hot, hot of it. Um, so, man, even then, even after all this explanation, I still can't decide. Um, tentatively, I would probably say that hottest and driest day of the year. Um, just cause like, you know, I love water. I, lo- I love just like jumping in and like with a hailstorm. Yeah. You can build a shelter, which is, was going to be my initial, like kind of like, pull towards one over the other um because okay with hot weather you cannot run, run away from it and when like i say you get caught like i'm saying like you don't got shelter you don't got nothing um or anything like that honestly um you're just kind of caught and you kind of have to sit with it um also with the hailstorm you can get water whereas the driest day you don't necessarily have a... i think i'm about to change my man out the spot again because i think i'm gonna go with the hailstorm because i feel like also with hailstorms i've never been in a hailstorm that's lasted longer than an hour and like if i'm exposed to the elements that means that i got stuff around me and i can just like get out of it obviously i'm gonna be cold and stuff after the hailstorm because i'm gonna just be wet but if i'm wet that means i have water and so i won't be dehydrated but I could have cuts on my body and then those could get infections. I'm just spiraling and I'm really sorry that you had to hear that. <laughs> but I would definitely say um, one over the other. I would choose hailstorm over the driest day because I know one and I don't know the other. And just the certainty of knowing kind of what that's like. It's just better th- for me. You know, it's just it's just better. All right. Just better. Okay. enough about that (laughs) um happy march happy pisces season even though it was pisces season last week and we did not acknowledge that happy emotional season um spewing out emotions at this point um for every person who's been around me i'm sorry that you have to deal with my emotions because i don't even know how to deal with my emotions and i want to be real with y'all So good luck. Anyway, (laughs) our new schmooze segment this month is going to be centered around uh, Women's History Month um, because women have brought us through the ages, not only with lineage, but also with inventions and kind of just like basic human rights. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Just basic human rights. Uh, That's what I'm going to say, you know. Um, (laughs) So... Um, I want to make mention um, to the women's suffrage movement um, just for this first week. Um, and I also want to make mention that uh, 1920 was when white women could um, vote. I want to say that out loud to all y'alls that it was white women who could do that. As a person of color and someone who doesn't pass as white, I could not vote in 1920. So do not be coming up to me and saying happy 100 years of being able to vote because i'd be like i did not i would not be able to vote i would be brought to it i could register to vote but then all the barriers would be put in front of me to not let me vote unless i had a white partner then it might have probably changed more research to come 
anyway <laughs> kind of all over the place so sorry about that um i do want to make mention that black women were not able to um, vote until the 1960s without having so many barriers even though today in 2020 i can confidently say there are still barriers um ahead of predominantly black communities especially in the south um that have um made it so difficult for people to vote um especially people of color and more specifically black folks um i want to make mention to that because when i talk about black people or black folks um and i'm talking about people of color those are two completely different um experiences and um i just want to just say that aloud so that all of you can be aware of that um it wasn't until the 1960s other sources had told me that it wasn't until 1965 um but, you know, Google's just not giving me what I want. Um, and um, I can confidently say from another source that I had um, <laughs> I have been given um, the first 10 minutes of co- the most recent episode of Code Switch from Fe- February 28th, I think it was, um, will be able to tell you um, the exact year in which um, black women were able to vote. Um, the other one that I do want to talk about um, is... Oh, wait, hold on. Before we move on to the next, we're going to talk about three very important figures in the uh, black women's suffrage movement, um, which is Sojourner Truth, Mary Mary Church Terrell and Ida B. Wells. Um, These were absolutely just like the forefront of the entire movement. Um, They fought and fought and fought for the right to vote and basic human rights. Honestly, in a democracy, a basic human right is to be able to vote. Um, And these women just went above and beyond um, for their own communities and for themselves. Um, and I want to say their names and I want everyone, you know, to know these names. I'm going to say them again. Their names are Sojourner Truth, Mary Church Terrell, and Ida B. Wells. And they were at the forefront and they fought for rights, basic rights, just as we are today. I want free pads and tampons. Anyway, Um, the next one I want to make mention to is um, Native women or Indigenous women or American Indian women um, in the United States. Um, because they were not given, this is, I, I, I personally think this is a little bit, this, this also not, yeah, this also is money water, um, in terms of when they were able to vote, um, at the time of the 1920s, um, native indigenous people were not able to vote. Um, they were not considered citizens, um, and they were forcibly removed out of their lands of their people all the years preceding that um and many years after that um with boarding schools amongst just relocations and the um urban indian act i think it was called um but it was in 1924 and i don't know uh, again my resources are not the greatest um as i did a quick google search and i am willing to admit that and i will get you better information next week i can promise you that um, in 1924, the Snyder Act or the American Indian Citizenship Act um, was passed, um, which allowed American Indians to vote um, in general elections and other elections um, in the in in the democracy of the United States. Um, I would also like to make mention that the oh, man, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Well, we're going to put it, we're going to pull it up. So I don't at least butcher it too bad. Um, 
the Haudenosaunee um, Confederacy, otherwise known by a lot of American people as the Iroquois Confederacy, um, influenced a lot of the women's suffrage movement. And I want to make mention to that because um, without the without this confederacy, without um, at the time the sixth largest um, uh, American Indian tribal nations at the time, um, without their influences and without their matriarchal um, kind of layout the women's suffrage movement wouldn't have been what it was. Um, I'm going to give all the credit to them. I'm going to give all the credit to the women that were in there, all of those matriarchal leaders um, within that time period, because without them, I would honestly not be able to vote. Um, (laughs) And, and again, they were not given the right to vote until later. Um, And 2020 is not the time to be celebrating um, 100 years a hundred years of voting because also if you look at 2019 2018 20 i'm gonna guess also 2020 um american indian reservations um amongst just like communities in general um the government in or multiple i would say state governments have recently passed a legislation um that prohibits tribal ids to be used as a form of id at polling places um which in my opinion is a bunch of bs because let me tell you something tribal ids are ids they tell you where you're from they tell you about them they give you information um and it also shows that because you have a tribal id you are part of the united states indefinitely um you are part of the land you are part of turtle island um and that should never be taken away from um anybody especially those who were here before us and those who were colonized and genocided and everything else that happened during that time like rape and just decimation of land um as we see now with president trump trying to decimate tribal sacred land but yeah so those are those are the two that I want to talk about this week for um, women's suffrage because they played such a huge role um, kind of in the, I don't want to say like progressive, but kind of like, kind of a progressive movement, but like the like momentum, they were kind of those who had come before us. Um, I want to, I want to name that, um, that they built the foundation. They were at, they're the ones that are able to pick us all up and to lead us in the correct direction. Um, and without them, we'd be nothing right now. Um, we would not have the rights that we have right now. Um, and uh, black women, especially black queer women, um, have been thrown under, under the bus too many times. Um, and disregarded and um, their, what's the word I'm looking for? Why can't I think of the word? their contributions to huge movements like this have been given to other people um which is just not what we need honestly we need to be uplifting um ourselves our um people um and everything that has led to this moment um in time so that is it for our new schmooze um segment happy women's history month um again to all my femme folk out there um and those who identify as femme or um identify as a woman um i'd like to tell you that i support you um not only in this month but in every month 
Um, and I see you and I see your suffering <laughs> today in this age, even though it's 2020, everyone, we can't say it's 2019 anymore. We got to say it's 2020, like it's 2020 and this stuff is still happening and it's just horrifying in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so here we go. The next part is we're not doing a goat we're not doing a woat this week um this week um like i hadn't stated before um i am gonna kind of be selfish this week um it is just me this week so um i kind of felt like i had a little bit more opportunity and more oh, what's the word i'm looking for again <laughs> more opportunity and more just like kind of lenience towards myself um this week um because I did create this and I did create kind of like the layout um and kind of doing um our own thing um let's see yeah that's what I have to say about this but um we have a new segment um I think this is this might be something that's going to become kind of regular um since I am nearing my um graduation date i'm not saying i'm graduating may i'm graduating next may do i care if uh people hear this from the university between now and when i graduate eh, probably not um what i'm about to say needs to be said um and so this segment i have correctly labeled um oh no my google doc got canceled out um <laughs> this um segment is called how my university has failed me um I could go on and on and on about different things, um, but I am going to talk about my personal experiences with this um, this week. I think it'll be oh, very important for me to do this um, as a form of healing and kind of as just a solidarity piece for other people who might be feeling um, very similarly to me um, and my experiences. Um, preface um i do go to the university of wisconsin lacrosse um it is considered a pwi or predominantly white institution which means that um it was founded on very white values um most of the administration is white um and right now there's probably like 92 percent white students um yeah white students as in they identify as white um racially and then about 8% who identify as a person of color, indigenous, or black. Um, so, a little backstory. Um, I am an education major, um, as all of you know from all my stories and my kiddos. Um, and I am the only person of color. Um, I'm also the only queer person um, that is out at this moment in time um, in my cohort. So... <laughs> Yeah, so I'm uh, kind of in the margins in a lot of different ways, and um, it has come through quite a bit. Um, the first thing I would like to do with all of you um, is read something that I had written last night um, because I could not sleep, um, and so I decided to do some writing instead. Um, yeah, so this... It's called An Open Letter to My University, but it's a tentative name. It'll probably change if I ever decide to do anything with this. Um, yeah, so it's not that long, um, but I kind of want to delve into quite a few points that I hit um, because this is my own personal story. I don't want to just lay, uh, not label, I don't want to just, <coughs> excuse me, 
I don't want to confine myself to a couple of identities. Um, I want to hit the identities that are most salient to me at this moment. Um, and I also do want to hit on what is, you know, irking me and kind of just like holding me down and holding me back at this very moment. Um, so I will read this to all of you. Um, and, uh, we will go from there. Um, I have quite a few points. So this podcast will definitely not be an hour. Um, it'll be a shorter one. So hopefully some of you have some commutes or anything. Um, that might be a little shorter and you can fit this in. So here we go. An open letter to my university, my soon to be alma mater, the destroyer of my soul. The place where I speak my mother's tongue and I don't have anyone for it. I don't have anyone to understand it. The place in which I receive my diploma and the piece of paper that will make elitist folks respect me, but only somewhat. The system that so easily takes away and rarely gives gives back without any repercussions. Without taking the lives of the young, of the hopeful. To the university that I still have not transferred out of yet, I should have had first light. Or that is what I tell myself to sleep at night. To count the amount of times I would have dropped out with no regrets would be futile. There's not enough fingers on my hand to count that high, nor are there words in my mouth to express the feelings only a university can prescribe. To the university... You haven't given me anything. I lie awake thinking about everything you've taken from me because I can't bring myself to say aloud all you've given me. The systems that hold you up tear me down almost always, leaving me with debris and the sliver of myself that has been crushed by you. Not having anything to cope with, not having enough knowledge to be, not having enough knowledge of who I am without baking relationships and being the mirror image of my father and mother to the university in my eyes you know what you've done you know what has worked and you continue until your last dying breath men corpusque men's corpusque Men's corpusque. To my university, where I am of but two, and nothing else. Where speech of my history is boiled down to influenza, measles, and vacation destinations. Where no such thing as development, history, religion, language, Food, hierarchies, wars, sports, exists. Where no such thing as myself exists. To my university, I am but one story. But in this one story, infinite themes. History, stories, death, life that are interwoven through and that you see as a monolith, repeating over and over, repeating over 
and over, repeating over and over. To my university. After I'm gone, what's next? I barely know how to survive. Whew. Sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> kind of a heavy piece there. Um, yeah. Um, there was a lot of points that I did hit on. Um, this is definitely a first draft of this um, particular poem. Um, I do write poems um, very regularly. Um, I find poetry to be the best way that I can express myself in a lot of situations. So, um, yeah. This is kind of how I pulled my thoughts together um, last night. Okay, where do I start? Where do I even begin? I will start at the beginning. Numerical order kind of seems like the best course of action um, today um, with what we are talking about. Ugh. Obviously, the first line, to my alma mater, the story of my soul. I, in my work, um, I like introducing and kind of just playing around with dark humor. <laughs> uh, it's the easiest way for me to talk about that. Um, yeah, dark humor. Soon to be alma mater, the story of my soul, you know just girly things um <laughs> so pretty self-explanatory um especially as i read a, more of my poem um the place where i speak my mother's tongue and i don't have anyone for it and i don't have anyone to understand it um I can, with 100% certainty, tell you that I am the only person on my campus who can speak my language and my mother's language, even though I can't even speak it very well. I can say malo. I can say malo so fua. I can say <laughs> I can say lo lo medium. Uh, I can say fia i fia ingo ingo vai. I can say some pretty easy phrases and have some basic conversation with my mother. Um, and I don't have anyone here who can um, have those conversations with me and help me with um, my language development um, in that area because later on in the poem, we say, where I am of but two. I am one of two, I am one half. Um, and the other one who I love dearly, what a good cousin. Um, does not speak the language either. So, as much as I would love to. Doesn't end up like that. The place in which I receive my diploma and the piece of paper that will make elitist folks respect me, but only somewhat. Um, obviously, place two, I will be getting my diploma. This will be my alma mater at one point. And, um... Future employers will actually look at my resume because I have a bachelor's and will see me as a 
more of a candidate after the fact. So. The system that so easily takes away and rarely gives back without any repercussions. Without taking the lives of the young, of the hopeful. The university does the bare minimum, which is why our tagline is doing the bare minimum. Um, I can say with confidence with myself um, and from my own experiences that the university does everything to cover its own back. This university doesn't care about students. This university only cares about the numbers that they bring in. My own personal program is increasing in people coming here and becoming early childhood educators. But every other university in the state of Wisconsin isn't. Every other university, yeah, every other university in the state of Wisconsin who are from the UW public system, all of their teacher programs are going down, especially in early childhood. Madison, which is UW-Madison, or Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin, and La Crosse are the only two that are either keeping steady or increasing. And they like that. But they won't listen to me when I say that when I'm in classrooms and I bring up Trayvon Martin, when I'm in classrooms and I bring up Eric Gardner, when I'm in classrooms... And I bring up influential people, Mari Copany, Autumn Peltier. When I bring up these influential people and these activists, nobody in my class knows who those people are. They don't know about police brutality. They refuse to look at it or listen to it. And a lot of them believe that blue lives matter. And those are the same people that are going to be in those classrooms with students, those black and brown students who can't trust to the university that I have not transferred out of yet. I should have at first light, or that is what I tell myself to sleep at night. To count the amount of times I would have dropped out with no regrets would be futile. There's not enough fingers on my hands to count that high, nor are there words in my mouth to express the feelings only a university can prescribe. <sighs> Out of the entire poem, I'm most proud of this one. Each and every student leader on this campus that I have had a conversation with about transferring have all thought about transferring out. What we offer is sometimes the best in the state. But all those people, in my opinion, can easily get into any sort of university. They can go off into different states, get scholarships, and just be a person and to be a better person there. And to not have to deal with this. For those of you who don't know, Wisconsin was recently deemed the most segregated state in the entire country. That may come off as alarming to most of you because segregation mostly happened in the South. 
For most people, the first one that you think about is Alabama or Louisiana or Georgia, where all of those events from the civil rights movement happened. But the reality is, Wisconsin is the most segregated state in the United States. You go to urban areas and you find people of color. You go to rural areas and you will find you will find some people of color. You'll find those who are considered undocumented because they need to get out of urban areas to draw less attention to themselves. And then you find a bunch of rural farming communities. And most of those, because the natives were completely taken out of this area and not given any land for anything, no reservations or anything, especially around here for the Ho-Chunk. And they're just white everywhere. Milwaukee is still the most segregated city in the entire United States. Milwaukee isn't even like on the map most times. We see California, we see Los Angeles, we see San Diego, we see New York City. Sometimes we see Miami. But there's one little big city, because in comparison, a million to, if you look at Los Angeles, that's 12 million. You look at a million people and they're segregated. And those walls are put up and redlining is happening everywhere. And we refuse to talk about it. So to the university that I haven't transferred out yet. I haven't transferred out not because of you. But because of myself. And every other student of color on this campus that I can support in any way. You are not the reason why I'm still on this campus. The reason why I'm on this campus is because of the numbers that you see. And the only thing that you see is numbers. You see all of those people. You see all of us as students. Not as students, but as numbers. And those are the people that I care about. To the university. You haven't given me anything. I lie awake thinking about everything you've taken from me because I can't bring myself to say aloud all you've given me. The systems that hold you up tear me down almost always, leaving me with debris and the sliver of myself that has been crushed by you. Not having anything to cope, not having any knowledge to be, not having any knowledge of who I am without breaking relationships and being the mirror image of my father and mother. I can say... This university has provided me with information. This university has given me a glimpse into, into what the real world is like. I've had multiple conversations with people and they talk about how the university is a microcosm or just a smaller like replication of what the real world is like. I face racial <laughs> racial crap almost every day I get stares not only because of my racial identity but because I'm also fat this university thrives off of the thought of people just being fit and having this thought of being healthy whatever that means being skinny being just all of these other things and I'm always at the brunt end of it
to the university. In my eyes, you know what you've done. You know what has worked. And you'll continue into your last dying breath. Mens corpusque. Mens corpusque. Mens corpusque. For all of you Latin speakers out there, I'm so sorry for mispronouncing that if I did. I have very limited knowledge of pronunciation. I have seen firsthand what it is like for this university to tear people down. Not only myself, but those that I care about. That is just a theme throughout this entire thing. To my university, where I am of but two and nothing else. Where speech of my history is boiled down to influenza, measles, and vacation destinations. Where no such thing as development, history, religion, language, food, hierarchies, wars, sports exists. Where no such thing as myself exists. I have been told by professors that people like me don't exist around here. We tend to stay in warmer areas, which I do agree we try to stay in warmer areas, but warmer areas usually cost more to live. So I am beyond eternally grateful for my family to be in a place like this because they didn't have to pay for something warmer. We had to just go through and just handle every night. And every winter, dealing with those cold nights and dealing with our heater breaking and dealing with everything that kind of comes with being a little poor person of color, little child, just running around. And the part about um, influenza, um, I took a history class, um, I think my sophomore year here. And I was told my pri- by my professor that, yes, we will be talking about Samoa, but we will be talking about influenza. It was never brought up in discussion, was never brought up in real class. And the only thing I got from the history of my people was New Zealand, the white New Zealand, not the Maori people, but the Kiwis the white kiwis over there came over on a huge ship with sick people on it and put them on my island and murdered so many people so many families were broken during that year to my university I am but one story but in this story Infinite themes, history, stories, life, death that are interwoven through and that you see as a monolith, repeating over and over, repeating over and over, repeating over and over to my university, 
After I'm gone, what's next? I barely know how to survive. Um, I would like to leave with all of you that ending. Um, and in the stories that I've told you and in the vulnerability that I've given all to all of you from me, I want you to take a deep breath with me. <laughs> I kind of want to do a, oh, what is it? Oh, man, the kids do this. Well, we could just do maybe like a square or rectangle. So kind of drawing with your finger. I'm using my right index finger. Starting at kind of like a bottom point for you. Breathing in and going up at the same time. Holding it. And then coming down. At the same time. For the square, you come up and you breathe in. You move over. You hold it and then you bring it down on your like release or your exhale. So in, up, over down over and then kind of doing that um this is a very very heavy topic that i have brought up today um i hope that you all take care of yourself um because you know i'm going to have to do that <laughs> um but i really appreciate all of you listening to um, my poetry um and also listening to kind of how i delve into it and kind of what my thought processes processes i don't know um were throughout that and now back to our regularly scheduled program. <coughs> We're going to end it with a good old-fashioned pitch, please. <laughs> I am so not pumped to do this. But... What we're going to be talking about today for Pitch Please is the coronavirus, capitalism, how they intertwine, how they kind of play off of each other, especially right now, and kind of just how I'm frustrated about everything that in regards to this. So <laughs> bear with me as I go off, friends. Woo. Okay. The coronavirus has is is in no way an agent for you to be racist. I'm just going to put that out there right now. The coronavirus is in no way an agent for you to be racist towards any sort of Asian person. There's no room for that. There's also, in my opinion, little to no room for humor. Because, um, I don't know about you, but like 3,000 people dead? Uh, it's not good. It's not good. Give it a zero out of ten. That's not what we need right now. What we need is for this capitalistic society to give free health care so people can get well. And for um, managers and other parts of this capitalistic society and the kind of managerial kind of um, hierarchy to allow workers to actually take days off when they're sick. Because I don't know about you, but when I have to work when I'm sick, I don't work that well. I work, but I don't work that well. It's just like what's the point other than pay because you know capitalistic society so we gotta we gotta make do with what we got in this tie to capitalism i have been i'm not a twitter person i'm not a tweeter i'm not some sort of twitter mogul i'm not any sort of that 
But what I do get to see is how all of you on Twitter get to post about it and how viral all of them go. Um, I cannot remember off the top of my head who posted about this, but someone tweeted that it costs over $3,000 for you to get tested to see if you have coronavirus or the coronavirus. And um, I'm sorry, but um, how am I supposed to pay for that if I can't go to work and actually like pay it off? How am I as a lower income person supposed to have savings to at least like have a down payment on that? Um, And how am I supposed to be quarantined for at least three weeks, no pay and somehow survive? How am I supposed to survive? How are poor people supposed to survive? How is this population of people that you say that you care so much about supposed to survive? As much as billionaires do not want to admit it, poor people are the backbone of everything. Poor people get stuff done. They get more stuff done, better, more safe, just kind of everything. At a fraction of what billionaires do, Fortune 500 companies do. And you're out here trying to tell us that they don't matter. Because they do. They matter so much. And I just want to (sighs) like... Anyway, I'm going to end it there. And that also means that we are also going to end our episode today. I would like to say thank you once again for listening in on this podcast um who knows if we'll be back to our regularly scheduled um kind of conversations tangents getting mixed up in things because honestly we were kind of you know on task for this so um you know this is kind of where we're at right now um our programming will fluctuate um consistency is required for some but this is a podcast and we're just kind of trying to have fun with it so um thank you so much again for listening um i guess that's it um and i will see you next week all right see y'all later bye